the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyo Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, formerly Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Let's put our hands together and welcome all the churches who are with us this morning. Okay. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this time. We pray that, Lord, your wisdom will be our portion. Thank you. You are the one who designed us. You said it's not good that a man will be alone. You are all designed to relate with one another. We pray the Lord in this time your wisdom will be brought to bear. Help us to be effective as we learn to relate with one another. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Okay, so uh, we are not here as experts. I'm sure you know that none of us is, is an expert. We've had our own fair share of conflict and we still have some. Amen. Uh -huh. So when we are done, it doesn't mean that all the conflict you are dealing with are gone. But we trust that by the time we are through, you will be better helped in dealing with the fresh ones that will come. I've said that if you don't want to have any conflict with any mortar, there's only one way out. Die. Amen? But as long as you live, you would have to deal with conflict. Amen? When we talk about conflict, it's an English word. It has to do with opposition between persons, ideas, or interests. When there's an opposition between a person's interests or we oppose each other in terms of ideas, what we think, what we feel, conflict can easily be born. It has to do with disagreement. Scripture says in the book of Amos 3.3, it says, two cannot work together except they be agreed. So we are supposed to work in agreement, in harmony with one another. But I mean, every now and then we, we come into points of disagreement and Discord. There are a few things I want you to note. What we are going to be doing is I will be taking more questions because I'm sure that you'll be better help as we get questions and we are able to relate them practically. But we'll share some thoughts with you before we do that. Conflicts are inevitable. Somebody say they are inevitable. Yeah, it's not something that you can run away from. If you want to relate with people, you by all means come into contact with conflict whether it's in the marriage, at work, wherever you find yourself. Even heaven, God who created the universe, Satan came into conflict with him. So conflicts are inevitable. And then not every conflict is bad. I want you to really take that point home. Not every conflict is bad. So there are people who are anti-conflict. They think that they have a peaceful home or they have a cordial relationship where there is no challenge whatsoever. That's 
I said it on Wednesday that if you have a relationship where there is virtually nothing to discuss, nothing, no anger, nothing, it's most likely that either both of you are dummies or you are not real. If you are real human beings, these things will come up. And then all conflicts are resolvable if the parties involved are willing to do so. And that is key. If all the parties involved are willing to do so. Romans 12, 18, the Bible says, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. So if it depends on you, you can be committed to peace. The other party may not be committed. And in that situation, not much can be done. And then for those of us who are born again, God's word must form the basis for the resolution of all our conflicts. God's word. Sometimes issues come before me as pastor. And sometimes when you are trying to help people, understand things or see things from a scriptural perspective, they say you don't understand my matter. Now listen, if the word of God comes into a matter and by using God's word, you come to the conclusion that someone doesn't understand your matter. For me as a pastor, there's one thing I understand. What I understand is that you are not willing to work with the word of God to get solution. And so that's key. Principally, the source of all conflict is Satan. You remember when uh, Adam and Eve were created, when there were only two people on the planet, there was conflict which was initiated by Satan. The serpent went, introduced himself, and then by the time he came back, Eve and Adam could not see eye to eye again. So the principal architect of all conflict is Satan. But Satan works through a number of means. Amongst them, we have personality and temperamental differences. All of us are wired differently. There are some who are very strong-headed. There are some who are very emotional. There are some who are uh, very laid back. There are some who are very hot-tempered. All of these are different personality traits, and they are not all bad. None of them is completely good. None of them is completely bad. If we learn how to harness them, we can make the most out of it. And then, of course, poor communication. Sometimes there's conflict because... We are not talking well. There is not proper feedback. When we are not communicating well, there can be conflict. Money matters. It can generate into a whole lot of conflict. Then we have assumptions. Assumptions. When people assume a lot, they can also create a lot of conflict. Of course, among us as spiritual people, over-spiritualization of issues over spiritualization of issues there are times where people need to look at things from a very rational perspective and then they attribute it to spiritual things it's spiritual it's spiritual one of the challenges i have had particularly when it comes to dealing with marriage matters is when the couple or one of the parties involved over spiritualizes the issue amen uh, everything and the issue will never get resolved because Life is not just about uh, prayer. And then, of course, pride. Pride is also a, a principal source of conflict. Gossips. Gossips. And then I think now phone can even be a source of conflict. I think phone is, is a major source of conflict in, in, in relationships. The messages that you have, the contact you have, you saw what happened on the stage. Somebody's phone just created, it was supposed to be a nice time, it was messed up because of a name that had been saved. And then, of course, stress. When people come under a lot of stress, and this is the time of stress. We are in a dispensation where stress 
It's so much. Everywhere you turn, there's a lot of stress. When it comes to marital conflict in particular, we can have sex. Too much or too little of it can be a source of conflict. In-laws can also be a source of conflict. Household chores can be a source of conflict. Adultery can be a source of conflict. Jobs and work schedules can be a source of conflict. And then children can also sometimes, disciplining children can be a source of conflict. I think that I'll let him on me come in and then we'll take it up from there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, I remember years back uh, visiting a friend of mine and, you know, because she's older in marriage, I was, you know, having a conversation with her, trying to get to know some of her ups and downs. And one comment she passed was, in my marriage, we have never fought. And when I heard that, I was like, wow, then I'm messing up. Because <laughs> I know we've had conflict in our marriage. So I was asking myself, ah, what am I doing wrong? When she said she has never, she said they've never had an argument in their marriage. And I was like, wow. And they had been married for over 10 years. It's like, where am I getting it wrong? Till later, I realized that perhaps they are just not being truthful to themselves. Because there's no way you relate with a human being not born from the same, even siblings born from the same parents cannot have a week, two weeks, one month pass by without having a, you know, a source of conflict. It's not possible. So now we are looking at people from two different backgrounds, and this is the context of marriage. Two different backgrounds, two different, uh, you know, upbringing and mentality, perception, you come together in marriage and then when conflict comes up, you make it look like it has never happened before. No. Conflict is part of life. And first of all, like Daddy said, let us accept the fact that conflict is part of life and rather find ways and means of resolving it amicably so that life can go on as usual. And so, you know, looking at the resolution of conflicts, Daddy has taken us through some of the common sources of conflicts. How do we resolve conflicts? Proverbs chapter 16 verse 20 says, He that handleth a matter wisely shall find good, and whoso trusted in the Lord happy is he. When you handle a matter well, you find good. It makes life much better. And you grow much better in every aspect of your life. But when you don't handle matters well, they blow out of proportion. They grow and increase. And then they could create more and more problems for you. So that is what we want to look at this morning. This morning, we want to look at the attitude that you must have towards conflict resolution good attitudes and positive attitudes for that matter, after which we would mention a few negative attitudes. So the first one is willingness and readiness to overlook some things as much as possible. Willingness and readiness to overlook some things as much as possible. Proverbs 17 verse 9 says that he that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeated a matter separated very friends. So be willing to overlook some things. It's not everything that you must talk about. It's not everything that you must draw someone's attention to. There are some things that are petty and you must let go. Okay? But where every little thing is an issue for you, it will create and generate unnecessary conflict. 
So have that attitude that you don't have to speak about every single thing that is going on wrong in your house. Sometimes just observing, sometimes doing something about it than commenting could also help to solve the problem. Time, 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 time. Time has a way of changing people. Yeah. Maturity, because time, people given time mature over time. And then some things will drop off by itself. Okay. Secondly, willingness to take the initiative in resolving the conflict. So, um, you know, as a believer, we learned even from last week, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, that blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So, as a son of God, you must be a peacemaker. Tell yourself that you would always be the first to initiate the resolution of a conflict. Don't say that, oh, it's my little sister. She must come and apologize. Oh, she is my junior colleague at work. She must come and apologize. Or he must come and apologize. Oh, it's my wife's fault. So she must come and apologize. Be the one to say, I'm going to be the peacemaker. And be willing to initiate the resolution of the conflict. Don't say that she is always or he's always repeating this mistake. I mean, over and over again, I'm not going to be the one to initiate it. If everyone has that posture in marriage or in relationships, the conflict will never be resolved. So be the one to always be ready to initiate I the resolution of the conflict. Matthew 5, 23 to 24. It says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar first. Go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Now you look at it. The responsibility for resolving the problem was not placed on the bosom of the offender. The one who is offended is encouraged to initiate the solution. Amen? Uh -huh. So, you see that when it comes to spiritual relationships, and for you as a believer, a lot of responsibility is placed on you. I like it when the book of uh, Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, not the peace enjoyers. There are people in the relationship, when there's peace, they enjoy it, but they do nothing to make sure that there's peace. But the Bible says those who take the step to initiate peace, they are the ones who are blessed. Number three, we have willingness and readiness to engage each other candidly about the issue at hand. So some people would rather keep quiet and let the matter go. And they'll be boiling up in their chest and in their mind and in their thoughts. And they don't know what to do about it. They keep on piling it one after the other till one day it gets out of hand and then they blow everything out of proportion. So be ready to engage the person about it at your workplace. Do not say that, oh, I can let this go. Or rather resort to telling a colleague or a friend about it. Go and speak to the person who has offended you. Go and speak to that person who has brought about the conflict, especially where you can feel the hurt. It's best to go and tell the person, look, this thing that you have done, I'm not happy about it. And I would like you to take a second look at it. I would prefer it doesn't repeat itself. When you speak to a person like that, it helps the person to know that you are open about things. But some people would rather not talk about it. So engage each other and you would see that there would be resolution. As couples, we must learn to talk about issues of concern. So now coming into the marriage context, talk about the matter. Don't let the matter pass. Don't let one day pass, two days pass, and then you'll be asking yourself, what am I going to do about it? How am I going to resolve it? 
but rather speak about the matter. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the cases of an enemy are deceitful. It is best we are wounded by people who are closest to us than people who are further away. So do not be afraid to be wounded when they speak the truth to you about how you've handled the matter. Now the next one is willingness and readiness to accept and apply all scriptural provisions for the resolution of the matter. Now, this is where your Bible knowledge counts. Because if you do not know anything in the Bible, then when the conflict comes, you do not know what to stand on and what your references are. But when you know what the scriptures say about matters, when you know what the scriptures say about working in a peaceful environment, about having peaceful relationships with people, about having peaceful homes, it makes it easier for you to be able to resolve matters. But when you do not know much about what the scripture says concerning that matter, then you would want to handle it your way or based on traditions of men. Read Deuteronomy chapter 17. This text is closely related to Matthew chapter 18. So we'll do both. And then let's do Matthew 18 verse 15 to 17. It says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault mm. just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Now, that I think is worthy of note. Your attempt at resolving conflict, the ultimate objective is to win the person over. You want to build a relationship rather than to destroy the relationship. And most of the time, I think that they get out of hand or sometimes wounds become deepened because we don't go in without objective. Your primary objective is to win the person over. And when that is your objective, when you go in, no matter what the person does, until that objective is achieved, you don't see yourself as having won. Then he says, but if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Mm. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a mm. tax collector. Now, mm. that is a progressive way of looking at conflict. Yeah. So, by the time you are giving up on conflict, you want to ask yourself whether these processes, scriptural demands have been followed. Let's look at Deuteronomy 17, verse 8 to 17. I think that's what Jesus said it in his own way. Suppose a case arises in a local court that is too hard for you to decide, for instance, whether someone is guilty of murder or only of manslaughter or a difficult lawsuit or a case involving different kinds of an assault. Take such legal cases to the place the Lord your God will choose and present to the Levitical priest or the judge on duty at the time. They will hear the case and declare the verdict. Verse 10. You must carry out the verdict they announce and the sentence they prescribe at the place the Lord chooses. You must do exactly what they say. How many problems will be easily solved if people will just listen and do what we say? But after they've interpreted the law and declared their verdict, the sentence they impose must be fully executed. Do not modify it in any way. Verse 12. Anyone arrogant enough to reject the verdict of the judge or of the priest who represents the Lord your God must die. Thank God we are in a new age. In this way, you will purge the evil from Israel. Now, the little difference between this at the time God gave them this instruction in our days is that uh, during this time, the priests were everything in Israel. So they were doctors. They were, if you are a priest, almost everything. Somebody has a leprosy. 
If the person is healed, it's the priest who inspects. They were like sanitary inspectors. Everything, they were in charge of it. That is a major difference now. Now, we have, based on the rule you are under, we have court systems and all of that. But even under court system, when it comes to matters that relates to believers, you remember in the book of 1 Corinthians, the Bible was talking about, it said, there you take a matter against a brother to court. So when it comes to matters that relates to believers, our highest authority is not the legal court of law. Our highest authority is the pastoral and spiritual authority mm. we have over us. Mm. And so when we are able to embrace that, it makes it much easier for us to solve our problems and our conflicts. Amen. Amen. Now we want to look at willingness and readiness to compromise. To compromise. Sometimes we just need to let our guard down and allow our partner to have his or her way sometimes. It's not always that you must have your way as a husband. Do we have some husbands here? Amen. We do need to be able to compromise in whichever kind of relationship you find yourself in. You don't always have to win. You don't always have to win. Because sometimes at the end of the day, you would have won an argument, you would have won, yes, but you would have lost the relationship. So be willing and ready to compromise. There are times where you do need to do that. Then willingness and readiness to accept your faults and apologize. Accept your faults. Some couples will tell you, my husband never apologizes. And uh, that is, that is a, a big minus for a husband not to apologize. Bible says that the husbands are the heads of their family, the head of the woman. And so if there's any good example you would like to show to your wife as a husband, one good example is the example of saying, I'm sorry. And so husbands here, learn to say, I'm sorry. That is um, one, one strength that we have in our marriage. He doesn't struggle to say, I'm sorry. He doesn't struggle to say, I'm sorry. And so, you know, sometimes it, it makes it easy for me to go and tell him, I don't like the way you spoke to me about this, or I don't like the way you treated me in this way. And, you know, he will try to understand where I'm coming from, what I'm trying to carry across. But at the end of the day, once I tell him, he just says, I'm sorry, it won't happen again. And so be willing and ready to accept your faults and apologize even when sometimes you know that this thing that she's saying is not my fault <laughs> it's totally her fault but because of peace because of peace and tranquility in the home sometimes you just have to say i'm sorry let the person feel okay and the person will go back and think through what has happened and may even come back and tell you that no it looks like i'm the cause of this but in the event the person never comes back you still want the relationship amen, amen. so be willing to accept your fault and apologize ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 20 says there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not it's very important for somebody who thinks that he's above saying sorry. Yeah. You are simply saying that you are a just man, you never do wrong. And that makes you a very, very big liar, more than Satan. <laughs> yeah, because it's practically impossible. He said there is not a just man. And I like the word just man, righteous man, one who is in Christ, one who is saved. Mm. There is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and, and sinneth not. not. You may not 
uh, sin in word, but you are sinning in thought. Mm. There are many ways we offend. So it's very important that we learn to do so. And like mommy was saying, you don't say sorry because you are really at fault. Sometimes yeah. you are really not at fault. Yeah. But how long will you continue to be moody and be walking up and down in the house? Nobody is talking to you and your feelings are all worked up. Mm. I mean, people have power. Mm. Then you are doing all of that. Walking up and down. One week has passed. Two weeks has passed. You are feeling fine. I don't know how you feel fine, honestly. Mm. Uh-huh. Mm. So, in order to uh, take charge, one of the things that personally I take responsibility for is my personal happiness. Uh-huh. I realize that in relationships, when you hand over the responsibility to be happy to your party, mm. you will never be happy. Mm. You may never be happy. If you particularly, if you are dealing with somebody who is very, very wicked and mm. a choleric who never sees anything and mm. all he sees is just having his way, mm. he will die early. Yeah. <laughs> so, you have to take responsibility for your happiness. If uh, the issue, something he said, something she said, you are not happy with that, listen, just go and let him know that that thing, you have taken it out of your heart yeah. so that you can free yourself. Amen. Amen. Okay. And I must say here that um, when it comes to letting go of offenses, this is something that I learned from him. To be on the, I mean, to be very honest with you, because for me, uh, when I was offended in the past, I would keep it inside. I won't tell you because I do not like confrontation. That is me naturally. I would rather let it go. I'll say, oh, it'll be fine. I'll be okay. And so I would see you, hello, hi, and it will still be in my heart. Not him. For him, he will do something against him. He'll come and tell you. And after telling you, he doesn't need to see you smile. He'll start talking to you as though there was nothing at stake. And you will still be wondering, you know. So I had to learn. I had to learn it the hard way because if I didn't learn it, he'll be happy going about his life and I'll still be moody. And, you know, uh-huh. so I really learned over the period in our early days of marriage how to overcome moodiness and how to forgive easily and let go of things. And it has really helped our marriage. Amen. <laughs> then we want to also be willing and ready to forgive and forget. Forgive and forget. I think for me, I would like to stress more on the forgetting part. It's not easy to forget, isn't it? No two ways about it. However, if you are not willing and ready to forgive and forget, you would once in a while or one day bring the matter up again to your partner or to that friend of yours or to that colleague of yours. You bring it up again. Or something would happen again and it remind you of the hurt. Now, one thing that will help you notice that you've not fully forgiven a matter is when you remember it and you feel hurt in your heart, it tells you you've not fully forgiven the person. You've not fully forgiven the person. So be willing and ready to forgive and forget. Because anytime you are doing that, you should know that your sins are also waiting on the waiting list. God is just waiting for you to forgive the person before he forgives you of your sins. And I don't want God to be keeping my sins on a list. So I'd rather forgive and let it go so that my sins are also forgiven. Amen. I think that everybody enjoys the way God forgives us. Mm. How many of us enjoys that? Mm. Uh-huh. But it is... He, he forgives us, Ephesians 4, 32. He forgives us that way. 
so we can also extend that level of forgiveness to others. To others. Mm. And by the way, what we do against him is more serious than what anybody can do against you. Mm. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So, the standard of forgiveness for the believer is even as God in Christ forgave you. Mm. So, all the time you want to ask yourself, when you are contemplating, you are struggling forgiving someone, you ask yourself, how did God forgive me in Christ? Did I have to go and roll on the floor? Mm. Did they have to sit at a, a bedroom meeting before you forgave? Mm. Because there are some people, no matter what you do, the sorry, it will not come. Yeah. So if you wait for sorry to forgive, uh, you will not uh, be fine. So you have to forgive before you expect any, anything to move on. He says, even as God in Christ mm. forgave us. Mm. That is a level of forgiveness that the child of God is expected to extend to one another. Amen. Amen. Now we want to look at the final two before we move into the some negative attitudes. And we don't have much time, so we'll do it quickly. Willingness and readiness to seek or accept counsel whenever necessary. We must all be able to acknowledge the fact that we do not know it all and we are not going to be able to handle all matters at our level. There are times where we would need counsel and we must be humble enough to admit it at certain points in conflict resolution to know that as for this matter, I need wise counsel to be able to intercept. If you are not willing and ready to accept wise counsel, that relationship could go very bad and it may be difficult to have some resolution there. Finally, is willingness to let some relationships be in hibernation or sleep mode. You remember last week when Apostle taught us that sometimes you just have to, you know, uh, keep the relationship but let everything go down. So that is what we are learning in this point. Some relationships just have to be in hibernation. You do not have to cut off people totally. But you can let the relationship be in sleep mode. You see the person, hello, hi. But you are not going to a certain extent to which you used to go because you've learned from experience that this person has weaknesses here and there and this could affect me in negative ways. So there are some relationships you must know. Keep the relationship there, but keep it on a very low key and in a sleep mode. Romans chapter 12, verse 18, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Live peaceably with all men. Conflicts must not always be allowed to last for long. As much as possible, resolve them. And then when you resolve them, it makes it easy for you to live with that person in peace. Now let's look at some negative attitudes to avoid when resolving conflicts. One is shouting shouting on the top of your, I mean, raising your voice and shouting at the person, you know, trying to carry your message across, but your voice is so high. And if you're not careful, whatever you are saying has been shrouded with emotions. Sharing your challenges with the wrong people. Sometimes we go through challenges and the first person we are looking at is that unbeliever friend of yours. And this person will give you certain advice that is not going to help you to resolve the problem. So sharing your challenges with wrong people. In marriages, it could be likened to in-laws or can be likened to your parents. Sometimes it is the best of things 
if the matter is too big for you to handle, please don't take it home. Because when you take it home and you have a parent who is biased towards you, they would always want to favor your they side. Biased towards you. That's it. They would favor you over your spouse. And then it will create unnecessary um, problems in the house. Manipulation through tears, ultimatums, and threats. Angry outbursts, sometimes even being physical. Sometimes even being physical. Don't manipulate people just because you are offended. Then in marriages, using sex as a weapon. Using sex as a weapon. Not only using sex as a weapon, but also the men could also say, I will not eat your food. Simple and short. I will not eat your food. And they know how much it means to their wives when they eat their food. So you've killed your wife for that day when so, you say, I will some, not some eat your wives, food. They will thank God. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. The whole week she's tired. They say, they say you will eat my food. She'll just buy her fried rice and eat. <laughs> so, you have to. Now, sometimes using insults, using insults, and it's unfortunate that as believers, uh, we have kept some insults in some box somewhere. When certain levels of conflicts come, then they re- we raised all those types of insults. On a daily basis, you never hear this man or this woman use that kind of word. But, you know, step on the wrong foot. You are in trouble. All types of insults will come up and you wonder, is this a Christian? So let's watch some of those things. Referring to unpleasant past issues. There are some people who are historians. Naturally, God has blessed them with such a good memory. They keep dates, time, and place. And they can refer it to you, bring it back to your memory. Do you remember when you did this to me? And so let's be careful of some of these negative attitudes. They don't help. Once you forgive and let it go, don't bring up that matter again in any new um, conflict. Now, rejection of wise counsel. And we must say that even sometimes in this church, some sons and daughters have refused counsel because the matter that is being discussed is a matter they feel pastor is not handling well. Maybe the elders are not handling well. As for this matter, don't go there. So they refuse the counsel that they are giving. And we must take note of things like that. Then silent treatment. Silent treatment. Okay, we shall see this house. And for days weeks we are not talking to each other you have a colleague in the choir and you are not talking to that choir member for days and weeks it's it's very very bad then revenge some people like to revenge they would pay you back in the same coin if god has mercy on you the same if not then a bigger measure and finally slandering a person's character So the person has done something bad to you. You will not let it go. You will not resolve it. But you are speaking to your other friends about it. As for this person, don't go there. This person will mess you up. This person will destroy you. And they are spoiling you to other people. So let's be careful of some of these negative attitudes. And then rather, let us try and inculcate in us the positive attitudes. And resolving conflicts will be much better. Amen. Amen. Before we take the questions, I just want to add something small to this. Slandering a person's character as much as possible. If somebody is going to hear something negative about another person, discipline yourself that it will not be from you. If a person is bad, those who relate with a person, eventually they will know. But they don't have to know it from you. 
Because by knowing it from you, you are also giving them a revelation about who you are. And any wise person amongst them will be very careful in their dealing with you. Amen? Amen. All right. So, uh, let's take your questions. I'm sure as the questions come, we'll be able to uh, refine better and make more practical some of the things that we've shared. Pastor Afroqua has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services at our headquarter church, 6.45 a.m. to 8 a.m. for our first service, 8.30 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. for our second service, and 10.15 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for our third service, and on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 7.45 p.m. Locate us on the top floor of Nanama Ejakumar Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santati Runabout, Kumasi, Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on our YouTube and Facebook pages, Embassy of Life Chapel. God richly bless you. Oh, 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 oh,